Savon Springer is the owner and founder of Native Assets. Any views expressed by Savon or his guests are their own thoughts and opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. Any guest appearance by representatives of Web3, NFT, crypto, or any other kind of organization does not constitute an endorsement by Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be mistaken as financial advice. Always conduct your own due diligence and consult a qualified professional when considering any investments of any kind. Great day, great day. Welcome back to the show. Savon Springer, founder, managing partner of Native Assets, author of the Blockchain Blueprint. And today, ha, today's going to be a fun one, y'all, because we have some brave gentlemen on the, the, the episode today. Because, as I'm sure everybody knows, you know, crypto is one of these spaces where there's a lot of innovation that goes on. There's a lot of opportunity that goes on. And one of the things that drew me in that was most attracted to me was the idea of trustless capital markets. All right. Now, I phrase it that way for people who really come from the legacy side of things, capital markets. But what most people in crypto know it as is DeFi. Um, but I think trustless capital markets has a bit of a different energy and a different uh, implication to it. And today we're actually sitting down with the co-founders of Vesto, which happens to be a bit of a uh, trustless capital markets primitive that can be used and composed in a lot of different ways. And the reason I say these gentlemen are brave is because we uh, were scheduled to have this interview before things blew up with FTX. And naturally, once FTX blew up, everybody that's in a similar realm in the space, people start to look at them and go, oh, are, are y'all up to some shenanigans too? And that's most certainly not the case. And so I appreciate these two for being willing to join us today and uh, and talk through what Vesto is, because I, I do have some, what, what might be some hard questions, but we're all here to learn more about what Vesto is and to really learn about what separates the good actors from the bad actors. So today with me, we have Chris and Wolfgang, co-founders of Vesto, gentlemen, how are y'all doing? Excellent. Pleasure to be here. We're good. <laughs> yes. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for being here. So I think naturally what, what makes the most sense to kick this off is to just uh, give a bit of a high-level overview explaining what Vesto is, because um, it can be a lot to try to process uh, uh, from a high level. Dude, Wolfie, you want to give it a shot? Yeah, I can give it a shot. So I think Vesto is built as a turnkey infrastructure for the crypto makers and creators. That's our ambition. We want to be the go-to place for anybody that has the ambition to develop innovative use cases on top of a crypto infrastructure. We deploy on uh, an AWS instance. The rest is on the blockchain. We have pre-integrated core capabilities such as Fiat on off-ramp, KYC, AML capabilities, our own in-house built secure multi-sig wallet, a customized, customizable policy framework that comes with the wallet to tailor um, the uh, policies to our customers' IT governance, IT management standards, pre-integrated CFI, DeFi capabilities, and from a use case perspective, we rather look at the long tail of use cases. So if you compare us to other great market participants, such as, let's say, Fireblocks, great product, but is clearly aiming for the, let's say, more savvy investor or the crypto trading desk, or even for a bank that wants to provide custodial service for, services for high net worth individuals. We look for the long tail use cases that could be Remittance, micropayments for your parking meter. It could be uh, pay, 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 
pay-per-use um, applications where your car signals to the toll gate at the Mexican motorway that you pass and automatically a micropayment is being deducted. So clearly uh, efficient, low-cost transactions. And maybe that's one important element. Um, we um, built this around on top of the, of the Ethereum uh, uh, blockchain. Uh, support also Polygon um, means we use ERC20 tokens. And in the ERC20 world, we focus on stablecoin uh, because long tail means no volatility or very little volatility. No speculation, but um, stable, predictable value of your tokens inside. The upside comes with the CFI and DeFi financial products we have integrated. Okay. Now, with that, uh, you listed off a lot of different use cases. And, and as I understand it, what Vesto serves to be is, all right, if somebody has an idea for an application or a use case that they want to uh, integrate with crypto, specifically something like stable coins, they can u- then use Vesto and its suite of different products within Vesto to set that up and establish those different legs that they might need for that part of their business mm-hmm. or their application. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Okay. So high level, what would you say in general, the average um, partner or, or user of Vesto, how are they using Vesto at this moment in time? I mean, I think John Wolfie, I'll jump in. You, you've told we, we, we have a live, um, actually, Eros Limited is one of our partners uh, doing payments. Um, so that's out the gate. Um, we, I think the biggest, which we're finding right now, um, is big in the industry is corporate treasury. Um, with the market the way it is and the interest rates, we think it's a, a great product um, that we're just rolling out now. And I would say Wolfgang too. I would say tokenization of other financial products. Um, we are working with some groups now to tokenize their funds. And I think that's, that is a hot spot in the market. It's where basically some of these older funds that are not just Bitcoin and Ethereum speculation, but traditional money market funds that we're going to tokenize. Yeah. Maybe if I, if I might add, that might sound very little focused and, and that we would be all over the place. Um, but keep in mind, we are the platform and the protocol for these use cases. And let's say the money market fund uses, innovates on their crypto product. We help to tokenize the asset and we help to distribute the asset through the retail banks. Yeah. To so we provide the integrated development environment, if I might take this metaphor. Uh, we are not building the user experience, the use cases on top of this ourselves. We are strict B2B company. We provide the turnkey platform to the financial institutions, to fintechs, and they create the use cases on top of it. So we are the crypto transaction engine, the engine room, so to say, underneath. Mm. Now, two things I want to hit at. Uh, funny enough, the other day I was I caught a a cross-section of an interview that Larry Fink did, um, CEO of BlackRock, and he was speaking yeah. about his perspective on how he thought, how sticky or, or not inflation was going to be, and um, the, the the kind of road to that uh, inflation coming down, how that was going to affect markets, and the, the panelists asked him his thought on crypto. And basically what he said was like, hey, you know, I definitely think that a lot of what we've seen, of course, has been, you know, cash grabs, but ultimately the tokenization 
of our traditional financial sector is going to be where a lot of this ends. And I've held that thesis for many years. Uh, I thought a lot of the, the moves we saw last year, you know, we saw like every other day, institutions are coming or institutions are here. <laughs> and it's yeah. a process. And they all need to feel comfortable and confident that how they are going about that transition and that process is compliant, that it is secure, and that yeah. it is stable, and they they, know they can really transfer over a few hundred million, a few billion, you know, dollars in, in a way that, that that's going to be protected. So uh, I'm curious, with you all being kind of that plumbing, is most of this done through y'all writing proprietary smart contracts and then connecting the, the, the pieces together? Because ultimately, you all still need some kind of infrastructure to make all of this happen uh, before yeah. you can really provide it to somebody else. So can you talk to us a little bit about how that is set up? That's a great yeah. I will jump in there, but what you just said is what we're going through as a company right now, especially after FDX, right? Yeah. And I would say security, um, well, I'll start with security and then I will can jump in the compliance. Security yeah. is the forefront of Vesto. We've been through two audits and we're going to go through another one shortly um, with our with our good friends, Chain Security in Switzerland, one of the best outfits in the market today. Um, so we know that. And yes, we, we built all of our smart, smart contracts ourselves. Um, it's all our code. We own it from our multi-sig wallet to our ERC currency contracts to our NFT 721 contracts. And they've all been audited. And if you've been through an audit with one of these groups, it's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. That's it, one word it, for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. I mean, these guys are really, really smart and they don't leave anything to guess, um, guesswork or even. The other aspect of it too, I would say, um, through all of this, I guess we want to jump into compliance. And also for the security is that we, you know, I'm an old tech guy. The partners that we do for our infrastructure, we use all the latest security from AWS being containerized, um, KMS, and not to get into all the nitty gritty or minutia of Amazon. But we, we follow the state of the art. And what Wolfgang mentioned earlier, our signing policy. Um, so it takes multiple keys um, including, let's say, an Amazon key or an admin key or a super admin key or even a user key to move any tokens or do anything on the blockchain. So our, our signing policy is pretty robust. Yeah. You, on, on compliance, maybe. So I think the compliance always has something to do with regulation. And the problem in the crypto area is not that we have bad regulation. I think the problem in the crypto area is that we have mostly no regulation or incomplete regulation. Um, so how can we be uh, as compliant or how, how can we claim being compliant? Well, first of all, we um, consider Vesto in the widest sense a closed loop ecosystem. Mm. All our users undergo regulatory grade banking, regulatory grade KYC, KYB processes, so no anonymous signup. Um, you need to go through uh, a banking onboarding process and all the funds, the fear that a user wants to onboard comes from a KYC bank account. So you cannot send, let's say, a few ESA from, from your MetaMask wallet to your Vesta wallet. That is not possible. We don't allow this. So it means we have pretty good control over all the inflow and outflow of money and obviously um, all the transactions within the ecosystem. Um, second, 
um, because of the um, transparency, we can quickly, should there be a rule, such as in some South American countries or Latin American countries, any transaction larger than, I don't know, $2,000 needs to be reported for tax purposes. Well, that's easy. It's 100% on chain. There is no transaction hidden anywhere in a relational database. Um, we can always be transparent to the supervisory authorities uh, when needed and, and make sure that we provide the necessary information. It's 100% on chain. Is this good enough? I don't think so. There will be more coming. For instance, we are talking and we'll soon have uh, integrated a partner out of Europe that provides a tax reporting software. And now most crypto enthusiasts would say, oh, tax reporting, that's evil. But if you want to provide your software to the banks, you need to be also tax compliant. That's There's no way around it. Um, and what they do is they scan your wallet for potentially taxable events, run this through an AI. And if they fully support your um, jurisdiction, they create automatically the um, uh, attachment report. to your annual tax filing for mm -hmm. your capital gains. If they not yet support your jurisdiction, then you get a list of potentially taxable events that you need to talk through with your tax consultant. Um, so it's 100% on chain. We control the inflows and outflows. We are open to build all the regulatory uh, elements we we need, but there is still a lot missing in my view. Uh, Europe, um, also Germany, but Europe will bring the Mika regulation in February 2023 that will help to ease uh, regulation and compliance in Europe. But yeah, we are not yet there or the market is not yet there. Yeah, you said a few things that, that I really appreciate you laying down so clearly, because as I was doing my diligence, trying to look through Vesto, I was trying to gauge what is that balance of transparency uh, because ultimately i think that is one of the biggest benefits of what happens on chain um i was actually talking to a gentleman who works at the uh, web 3 division and the blockchain division at microsoft yesterday and um, he just reached out because he saw me on linkedin and wanted to pick my brain on a few things and he said that something he often gets from people is the question of like oh blockchains are just glorified databases and uh i'm sure y'all heard that plenty of times but um, <laughs> yeah. I laugh like that, Chris, because in my head, I'm like, okay, sure, that's one way to look at an aspect of what the blockchain is, but a database, one, databases are not made equal, right? Because no. for one, databases don't all talk to each other, which means information can be obfuscated, can be hidden, but it also, databases can be changed. They can be altered. And so a database might read one thing one day, and then you might show somebody it and the next day. It might look a little bit different. And so the fact that what y'all are doing at Vesto is still transparent, even though it's not built for everybody to use, like you said, Wolfgang, it's not meant for you to take your MetaMask, you know, sell a few NFTs, get the ETH, send it over to Vesto, and then try to earn some yield on it. It's not for that. But I appreciate that though you are building this for institutional grade clients, you are still making sure that that transparency aspect of the blockchain is still there. Because in my opinion, if transparency is removed, then you do start to highly degrade uh, what yeah. a lot of the value is by, by doing things on chain. Absolutely. Let me, let me add maybe to this because it touched on an interesting um, element. We are talking to 
a company that is providing technology for CBDCs. So they mm. typically sell their product to the central banks, and with the technology, the bank can then issue CBDC. And one of the key arguments we we agree uh, together jointly is there is no one solution for a crypto or digital currency market in the future. There will be a coexistence between CBDCs on one hand, uh, private stable coins such as USDC or DAI or uh, digital euro, um, whatsoever, and potentially even, let's say, tokenized money market funds from the large investment managers. So there must be a, a transparent and clear way how these interact and in order to gain acceptance from the, let's say, central banks and, and commercial banks, we need to bring this to the daylight. It's it's not possible to to hide it, to um, have a MetaMask to MetaMask transaction. And the, I mean, there, there will need to be a, a clear wallet architecture where people openly communicate and where the authorities have all possibilities to uh, make sure there is no money laundering going on or any other. Uh, financing, illegal financing um, activities. So with that, you all have a lot of visibility. So since you mentioned the CBDCs, let's let's dive into that a bit there. Um, I think, and once again, this is probably something y'all have heard a ton of, right? And this is the thing that I think about is what is possible with a CBDC? Because ultimately what we start to talk about is just programmable money. You start to give it logic and say, okay, you can do this with this wallet. And if X, Y, Z, you know, you basically set the parameters. And if those parameters are met, you have something take place. And you mentioned earlier that you all are not the ones who build the UI. You don't build the front end. You merely just build the architecture that allows these things to be possible. Um, to what extent or what sort of appetite these folks who are working on the CBDCs, um, have you found that it is of their interest to to try to make everybody fit within this framework? Uh, or do they recognize that there are still going to be people who want to have private transactions take place in the same way that cash and, and hard assets uh, to some extent have allowed people to have private uh, financial lives? 90, there, there is an appetite and a willingness to allow for private anonymous transactions, which is good because my Cash payments are also not tracked, and maybe there must there should be a threshold, um, and below a certain threshold, transactions should not be considered and not be reported. Um, I think there is a need to build or to define such rules. Um, what appetite do the CBDCs or the central banks have? Well, I mean the the central banks are not in a consumer business. Obviously, their business is no. to get money printed and, and issue fiat, right? Or issue money, literally. And what, what they are missing is the piece of infrastructure that enables the retail bank. So let's assume the central bank mints digital tokens, and then they ship the digital tokens to a commercial bank, and now the commercial bank needs to hand it over to you. Mm -hmm. So on what infrastructure? On a MetaMask? Um, so they they find it interested interesting to talk to us because we provide this distribution capability and we provide it in an open fashion. So whatever the local regulatory framework is, our wallet signing policy can be adapted to it. 
whatever the use case will be. It can be built on top of Esto, whatever the local financial products are or restrictions are. Let's say certain products only accessible to accredited investors only. Uh, we can easily accommodate this because we provide the, the, the infrastructure to it. That's maybe the motivation why they want to talk to us. Mm -hmm. Like you were going to say something uh, when I first finished my thought there, Chris? Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be interesting. I mean, we like Wolfgang mentioned, we're talking to a bunch of groups and it's going to be interesting how how this is going to be. Is it going to be a private blockchains for these tokens? And then, you know, from bank to bank, <laughs> then all of a sudden, okay, now people want to use them. Now they're going to pop. Now we have to create a new token that goes on Polygon. It's going to be interesting how all these networks talk together. I think that's that to me, that's something I've been thinking about. But I do agree with Wolfgang. I think that with, you know, the long tail with Vesto is that we do have the infrastructure to roll this out for, you know, this digital currency. And there's no better Ethereum than the future Ethereum. So I think that's for me the the first choice at the moment when when selecting at least one key piece of the infrastructure. Not the only one, but uh, before yeah. going blockchain i would at the moment rather opt for ethereum have y'all been playing a lot uh playing around architecturally with different uh versions of, of scaling solutions so whether that be um zk snarks or any of these other kind of l2 solutions because i imagine if these C cbdc's are coming into play there are a lot of there's a lot of activity that goes on with the IMF with the World Bank. There are a lot of transfers that go on repo markets, and it wouldn't make sense for all of these transactions to be happening on mainnet Ethereum because holy hell, that would get expensive. <laughs> um, so, yeah. what has that exploration been like? Because the technologies are here, but a lot of them are a little bit you know. Yeah, Fresh. so we, 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 well, we, we chose Polygon. I mean, that was our L2 and that's, it's, we love Polygon. It's been a great, great success for us. We looked at optimism or optimistic. Um, mm -hmm. They were, we, I think when we needed to deploy this and go live, they were just coming out. So it was a little young. So I think we will go take a look at that. There's, um, what's the other one we're looking at? Avalanche. We took a look at and a couple others but we i think to be honest with you polygon's been phenomenal it's still still fast as can be and um pretty cheap i mean fractions of pennies so no has there been any any exploration with um ripple and their uh xrp ledger because originally back in the day and i know they still have some things going on that was supposed to be one of their main use cases was settlement and remittances yeah, no, we we've no, we have not, we haven't integrated or touched Ripple, unfortunately. I know they've done some good work, but no, we have, we we we're starting today. We're Ethereum and Polygon. Okay, absolutely. Now, um, shifting gears just a little bit. Well, actually, last question on CBDCs. Do y'all have? Uh, I imagine you do. Obviously, to the extent you could talk about it. What sort of timeline should we expect? I know there were pilots last year. Um, there were more pilots going on this year, different regions are moving at different speeds. Um, but what do y'all think people should expect in more of the Western world as far as a timeline on when they can, you know, expect to have their stimulus check get airdropped to them? <laughs> I can't admit that's a little bit different. Than that. I mean, my wild guess is that some of these pilots, in particular pilots in Southeast Asia or even the African continent, Mm -hmm. will hopefully successfully uh, complete second half of next year. 
I don't think earlier. And before we officially see any uh, first world nation, the US or Germany or whatever um, that is, we are deep into 2024, even later. I don't think they are as quick. I mean, there is lots of policy making and standard setting and uh, public tendering and whatever mm -hmm. have you. And I mean, in the public tendering processes, there is a tenders this year but just to get a budgetary quote quote and then it is in the in the budget for next year and then there's a tendering process and all of a sudden you lost 24 months without doing anything but mm. but following a tender so i don't believe that we will see this um before 2024 even 2025 okay. in the in the first world countries yeah? hopefully some of the latin american or african countries are quicker I imagine so. Were you going to add something to that, Chris? No, I think he's spot on. I think that I think a lot of these groups that we're talking to are, yeah, they're not piling anywhere in Europe or or U.S. right now. So I think he's. I think I think I agree with Wolfgang. I think it's going to be especially. I think I think well in certain parts of Africa we're looking at. Well, not to say it's still early because we're still working with a group, but we, we're looking at a, at a potential option with CBDC with um, mobile money, and that could be an Africa country. So that's another project that we're looking at, which could be next year. So, but yes, I wouldn't say mainstream. I would say a couple years out. Mm. It'd be really interesting if 2024 were the, the, the year, because that's when the next Bitcoin halving is, and there'd be a lot of uh, energy and focus again around crypto obviously a lot of that has died and kind of flowed out of the market but um would also give them enough time to make some rules based off of the the kind of um the issues that have popped up uh since then like this stuff going on with ftx but also enough time to uh when you said tendering i, I thought of it in a slightly different way wolfgang but to kind of prepare the minds of people so that they don't view it from such a negative light because i feel like generally sentiment wise there's a lot of resistance to it and most of the time People are pointing to what's going on in China and saying, like, hey, we don't want to uh, uh, to have our money intertwined with what we do socially and fears that that might be where these things go. And they don't just exist on a technology yeah. level, because for some people, I think that there's a failure to realize that money has been digital for about a decade at this point. You know, like it's rough. It's, it's hard for me to find a person who actually has spent cash in the last week or month. And then when you kind of frame it to them that way, like, okay, did you pay with something with Cash App? Did you use Zelle? Did you use Apple Pay? So, all right, uh, from a technology implementation standpoint, when you use a CBDC, it's probably not going to feel too different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the, even European countries, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, uh, you can pay your taxes in crypto, actually. You can pay your taxes in Bitcoin. This is not a mass adoption use case, obviously. Um so yes, there is a uh, a certain hesitance at the moment because of the thanks to Sam Bankman-Fried and others. Uh, but I think the market will maybe not forget, but will learn from it. And I think mm -hmm. also the um, with the evolving technology and with the evolving adoption, uh, regulated regulation will grow. I don't think that it would be wise to get a full complete regulation package defined and out before adoption starts so the mika is a first step 
we will build around it, learn from it, find further flaws, learn from the next FTX. There will be another FTX. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's no, sure. no, 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 don't say that, Wolfgang. <laughs> uh, but we had we had the Selman process, we had Barings Bank, we had Wirecard uh, in the fiat world. So why should FTX be the last one? I mean, it will it, things will happen, but we are every time we are better prepared and we contain the damage better. Uh, regulation will be wiser. People learn more. People will understand that uh, pure custodial solutions are maybe not not good enough, uh, and will insist on non-custodial or hyper solutions like we are offering. I think the market will mature, the solutions will mature, and the regulator will will keep pace with it. Hopefully. Mm. Okay, so we have about ten minutes left. So there's uh, two different things I want to get into. One actually kind of just popped in my mind as you were mentioning that. The first one, though, was yield, right? Because um, Festo, at least on the site, it mentions that that there's a way to get yield. And I know that, uh, as I understand, that Circle is one of y'all's partners. And Circle, they have a yield program, if I recall correctly. And uh, I think a lot of, uh, particularly folks in my audience, may uh, may not realize that there's a there's there's two different uh, user bases of something like Circle's USDC. There are people who are in crypto and use it and, and switch to it on Uniswap and this and the third. And then there are people who go directly to Circle and have them custody some fiat, get some USDC swapped out or buy USDC from them for they have that liquidity in digital format. And they have a different um, option of products that they can use directly from Circle, redemptions, that sort of thing. But broadly speaking, the issue had typically been that whole idea of, all right, if you don't know where your yield is coming from, you are the yield or it's not sustainable. So how does Vesto go about providing yield to clients who want to use the platform and maybe enable yield earning for their clients? Yeah. I mean, I think like just, just a little historic. I mean, we're integrated with, you know, some of the state of the art, I would say on Ethereum DeFi protocols. Um, the market did crash as we all know. Yeah. And the DeFi, obviously the rates crashed and also yeah. they're permissionless. Right. I mean, and I think that's given a lot of the regulators, uh, the regulators kind of heartburn, right. They're saying, wait a sec, <laughs> this is an open protocol. You know, even if let's say Vesto KYCs, all of our users, right. The counterparty, let's say who's borrowing is not being KYC. So that's been an issue. Um, my just real quick, our belief is DeFi um, over time is the future. It's the long ball, I would say, in in all of this, right? I think more on the blockchain is 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 where it's going to end up. Currently, in the last what Wolfgang three or four months, we've integrated with uh, two of the probably the best, I would say, left standing CeFi companies that are out there. Um, who do basically, and, and we do everything with USDC. So we are partnered with Circle to, you know, to do swap fiat for for USDC. But we're investing that into CFI for these companies do basically traditional trading, and that's where we get um, our yield today and a lot of our financial products. Okay, okay, and um, so you said that these these folks have been left standing, so they haven't been much affected by the blowups that have happened up to this point. Uh, I won't say names, but one of them, no, zero, which was uh, which is unbelievable. The other one, um, a little bit. I think That's everybody so got hit. I mean, Circle got hit. Silver. I mean, everybody got hit. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I think that it's you know they have really good risk uh, management mitigation in place, and they're not they weren't over leveraged like um, some of the others that we know that we can mention. So yeah, is, is it an operational security reason that you can't mention who y'all are partner with? 
though a lot of these things are are on um, chain? Um, I don't know, actually. I don't know by heart if he can... I'm not asking you to out them, but I, I I feel like I'm not doing my job if I don't ask why we can't speak about yeah, them if they're not doing anything funny. I, I can't I can't answer this. I'm sorry. I would need no, that's to. perfectly fine. I just got to ask the question. I just got to <laughs> shoot shot. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, and the rates are the rates are incredible. So that's why yeah, that's why we're rolling out corporate treasury right now. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, rates incredible. If you think back twelve months, you were expecting anywhere between fifteen and twenty five percent on on DeFi, and uh, we are maybe at a little less than fifty percent of this. So ten, twelve is is achievable these days if you lock your if you have uh, ninety day terms or something like this. Yeah, one of the um, people that comes to mind is Nexo because I know they've been doing a lot of things institutionally. That's why I was using a lot of last yeah. year. Um, they haven't blown up. They've seemed to expand and maybe take advantage of some other people blowing up. Um, they did start to add some weird tokens, though, that I started to be like, ah, uh, we got to keep the quality, the QA up, man. Y'all acting like Coinbase now, just adding shit. Um, I, I, I kid a bit, but yeah. okay. the, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other question that I had was about insurance because uh, great question. When, you're, when you're dealing with, you know, large sums of capital, big funds, it's like they, they they still gonna need some assurances that like hey there you never know there can be edge cases there can be slight vulnerabilities and contracts people who just game it figure it out so how do y'all approach the insurance aspect of things without having that be maybe it is but without having that be the largest expense y'all have. It's a great question. I mean, I, I think that the insurance market with crypto is evolving, right? It's not perfect. Um, I would say, especially with smart car. Well, the I would say like cold wallet, hot wallet insurance. I think is I think you can get pretty easily. I think there's a lot of out, outfits that can they can do that, um, and we work with them. The smart contract failure, like you just said, right? So if there's a vulnerability, like you said, where someone comes in and you lose a ton of uh, tokens. That is still evolving. Um, we have worked with two or three, but that's still that's still evolving on that side. Then there's there probably maybe not to get too deep into it. There's what do you, people are now looking into, which I don't want to get into the details of insurance of what happens if FTX happens again. Can you insure against that kind of event? Um, that's something we I don't I don't have an answer for that. I don't know if anyone to jump in, but that's something that. That I'm in Bermuda right now, and Bermuda is one of the you know key hotspots mm-hmm. for insurance. And I think that's something that I'm going to be talking to people here about, saying, "Wait a sec, if you could at least hedge your bets against like the FTX fallout, right? That would be incredible." So on that side, yeah, I think I think it's evolving. Yeah, I did an interview with. Um, it's not out yet. It'll be out before the end of this month. But the CEO of Realm Insurance, Joe Zielkowski. Yeah. Um, that's one of the guys you want to mention, but that's one of the companies we talked to. Absolutely yeah. great guys. Absolutely great guys. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I don't need to make an introduction there. <laughs> they're, they're one of the few. They're, they're one of the few. Smart, they're one of the few smart contract uh, insurers. So yeah. they do a great job. We talked a little bit about that, and um, I was introduced to to a friend, Sophia. She's she's the VP of their biz dev. And there was another interview I was listening to. She was talking about like DNO insurance, and there's a lot of things I've never heard of before. 
and um, then specific to the insurance market and then the whole situation with the uh, potential shortfall of the reinsurers uh, because of like the disaster insurance. And I was just like, man, this insurance world go deep, man. It goes deep. <laughs> oh, it's, it's crazy. It, especially in Bermuda. Oh, it's crazy. It's absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, somebody has to be the backstop to everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I guess last thoughts or last question for you all, um, keeping in mind uh, who's in this audience from, from both the all's perspective, what sort of advice, what would be your best piece of advice for somebody who is in this industry trying to start a company, trying to found a business? What advice would you give them to um, succeed or to at least have a, a better go at that endeavor? Uh, that's, that's difficult. Uh, that's a good <laughs> question. My perspective, um, and this includes advice memo to myself, obviously. Uh, find a problem that you can solve. I too often, when talking to uh, interested parties that want to work to build on top of the best of platform, we talk for quite some time and I still haven't understood what the issue is they're fixing. <laughs> and just because it's crypto and because it's cool or it has been cool until maybe six or nine months ago, it doesn't mean you need to do it. So find an issue that you need to solve. If you don't fix the problem, well, then you burn somebody else's money likely, but you don't you don't bring anything forward, any value proposition. And then the second, which is maybe the most misunderstood facet of crypto, DeFi, and, and also Vesto, is that beside all the hype, uh, crypto is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It requires uh, due diligence, research, understanding of the architectural in, uh, implications of design decisions. What does it mean if you build on a custodial or non-custodial architecture? What does it mean to use certain financial products? Uh, can you can you deploy these financial products in certain geographies if you have uh, unnamed or uh, anonymous counterparties in a DeFi pool, for instance? Uh, I mean, it, you need to really do your research and due diligence before you build your solution out that hopefully fixes a problem. And um, that is maybe a good starting point. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Chris? I would say, I mean, Wolfgang summed it up quite nicely, but I, I have an older brother who's a tech guy too. He taught me, he was a mentor and he said to me, he said, you get into any industry on the tech side, learn the fundamentals, you know, drill down and understand how the tech works. Right. And when, when I got into this, it took a long time. It was a steep learning curve to understand the fundamentals. But now that you understand the fundamentals, you can move fast and, and build great products. And that's not, I believe that's just not on the tech, but also the industry. You know, the fundamentals of I'm going to create a stable coin. Well, I better have the reserves behind it. So it's like, oh, down, right? Fundamentals. Let's get the fundamental tech and get the fundamental. And I think a lot of people are looking at the crypto world saying, oh, all these things are happening because it's crypto. No, no. I mean, th these things have happened in traditional finance as well. So I guess in short, fundamentals, just learn the fundamentals of the tech and also of the industry. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I think very apt for what Vesto is and what Vesto does to uh, to drill down on those fundamentals and, and fixing a core problem. Well, Wolfgang, Chris, 
I have really enjoyed this, learned a lot. I appreciate y'all being so open and so candid because, um, to be frank, that, that that's one of the things I appreciate the most in the guests is just an openness and a willing to talk freely about uh, about what it is you're doing. And I think y'all are doing something really interesting. So uh, before we get out of here, please let the people know where they can uh, learn more about Vesta. Yeah, it's uh, info at Vesto.io is an email or, oh, sorry, the website, Vesto.io. <laughs> Perfect. And Chris and I, we are also both on LinkedIn or Twitter or the usual suspect in social media. Okay. Amazing. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all again. And uh, let's do this again sometime. Let's uh, let's check back in with these CBDCs get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Talk to y'all soon. Okay. Yeah.